Welcome to the Launchpad Jamf Admin Podcast hosted by Rocketman, where we keep you on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of Apple and Jamf administration. Starting with the Launchpad Times, we bring your Apple and Jamf news down to earth and then go into a keynote where we take a deep dive into a relevant topic. 12.02, usually we get people pouring in for a little bit, um, but we'll kind of go ahead and kick things off. Thanks everyone for coming again. I think this is number five for us. Yeah, because we didn't do January and we've done all the months since then. Um, cool, some more people getting in, but yeah, this one, I know is a short week for everyone. I know a lot of the people that we talk to are between the short week this week and then WWDC next week, everyone's got a lot on their plate. So appreciate finding time and we will be uh, pretty casual with this one. A, a lot of familiar faces. I'm not sure if I think so far I recognize just about or most of the names. Um, but if you are new, feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, we're a warm and welcoming group. Also, Chris, do you want me to share? Do you want me to be sharing the Gravity Times, or do you yeah, want to do ahead. that? Cool. I think you made edits to it, so I probably don't have those. Sweet. Well, you do because of the collaboration, but yes, understood. It it doesn't seem to work as well as you'd hope. It it's <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, I was putting collaborations in there. I'm like, I think I'm making a new document, and but I was tweaking with it. Um, cool. Let's do a participation thing. I'm not going to tell everyone to turn on their cameras or mics because that's intrusive, but if everyone could use a reaction and give like a thumbs up or a heart or a clap, if you're kind of ready to go and you got water in time, uh, we got the party, we got the thumbs. Perfect. Peter with the smiley face in the chat. Love to see it. I think Peter's been in every session of ours so far. Uh, Rocketman, Mac Admin, All-Star. Sweet. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start setting up the share here. I'm hoping this is pretty elegant. Yeah. We're looking We're at your presenter, presenter slide, yeah. What? Okay. Yep. And <laughs> that should do it. Boom. How Yay. about now? Sweet. All right. Uh, if you guys are familiar with this, you know our, our Gravity Time session is where we're just taking Apple news, rumors, predictions, and bringing them down to earth. Pun intended. Uh, for this one, we, we've kind of got a lot of predictions and rumors that I think we can talk about with the room, obviously, with WWDC next. Um, but I will lead us through some of the first things that we've seen, which are some Jamf updates. And first things first, we have the Jamf Cloud Distribution Service. Uh, Chris or Chad, don't chomp at the bit. Feel free to fight with each other over who wants to talk about this. All right, Chris, you win. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of different improvements that were made. Um, I didn't, I, I don't know exactly what it will fix, but the biggest thing that we've had historically with JCDS since it came out 
uh, is the timeout issue when you upload packages. Um, there's a lot of speculation behind why that was happening and a lot of it was wrong. Um, so I'm hoping these improvements will fix a lot of those issues. This is the issue where you could be working on a, on a, a package in progress and walk away from it and then it times out and you lose all your progress, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if you did, if you were trying to like do like a bigger installer, like an Adobe installer or Microsoft Office or like a Mac OS installer, then you would be continually frustrated as it wouldn't be able to upload. Hmm. Cool. Um, and also just for all of you guys that are on this, we definitely welcome interruptions, corrections, questions throughout. I can't really see everyone right now, given the whole presenting thing. So make a stink or message chat or Chris or just start talking and that works. All right, moving on. The Mac OS updates via Jamf with Big Sur and the M1 chip. I've got a pretty good amount of notes in here, Chris, if you need me to set the table on this. Yeah, I guess I can go forward with this. Um, yeah, we didn't know if I'd be able to attend this meeting because I just got LASIK, but uh, the recovery was a little bit better than expected. So I've been after the be first this day. meeting. Yeah, <laughs> first day was very bad. Um, but definitely worth it if anyone wants to get it and, you know, has $4,000 that's burning a hole in their pocket. Um, yeah, so things have changed a lot with macOS updates um, with Big Sur, especially with Jamf. Um, and I've been learning about this stuff and also I'm not 100% sure what's happening. I'm still dealing with some problems. But what I've been dealing with is I'm trying to push out the 11.3 and now 11.4 updates to some computers and some are just stuck in 11.2.3 and it's not because of any restrictions I have in Jamf. Um, also pushing out policies via Jamf has been they, they just don't really work when you push out the Mac OS updates on Big Sur. Um, you can script it but that also seems to have caveats and not really work as well so it seems like the new way to do this is through MDM commands uh, which was very limited in the past and now they've given um, they, they've added some more functionality to that. So that's um, basically what this is in not too much detail. <laughs> uh, the biggest caveat though, I should say with uh, sending it through an MDM command is it has to be enrolled via pre-stage. So if they're not DEP computers, you can't send the update that way, which for a lot of my computers haven't been enrolled that way. What is, what's the uh, the download only key related to Chris? When you're the Jamf Pro now includes the download mm -hmm. only key when sending the remote command command to computers. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked in this extensively, but um, there's kind of two ways to deploy these updates. You can either download it and then allow the user to install it. So basically, it downloads it to the user's computer and then it'll just hound them a lot to do it and make it a quicker process because it's already downloaded. And the second option is like download and restart it. Um, and I haven't tested that out to see like how well it works with actually restarting the user's computer. Um, cause it, you know, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure if it actually restarts it right then or gives them a little bit of time. Well, and you can use the, the install ASAP key to strong arm it. It looks like. Yeah, I think so. Cool. I need to look into this more to talk about it better. Uh, has anyone had any experience doing this, um, deploying updates through an MDM command? Looks like Ian is clapping. He's, he's the only one I can see on my screen. 
sorry about that. Don't mean to chime in. Um, actually, yes. Please chime in. Love the chime-ins. Um, my current experience, I'm testing issuing API scripts to perform the updates in mass using Monkey. Um, my initial experience prior to 10.29.2 was that I could issue the install action key and that would, so the behavior was really strange and it's kind of difficult to explain. If I was logged into an M1 Mac, authenticated as an admin, the key would actually work and it would take anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes, even half an hour I've seen. And eventually the Mac will restart, the update will install, good to go. If I was sitting on a login screen, nothing would happen. But the moment I go to authenticate, and this is through Jamf Connect as an example, I'm sure it would be the same if it was the default mechanism. Um, the moment I finished initiate, initiating or uh, authenticating, the Mac would then just go black, restart, then update. So the moment okay. I provided it authentication, it performed the update. Uh, interesting. So yeah, I wouldn't do it if it's at that login screen, but yeah. Um, now with my same M1, 10.29.2, uh, every action key except for, I believe install, no, actually they all are airing out now and say that the action key is invalid or not supported. So now none oh. of the keys. So it's making, it's giving you less functionality. But you're actually, so if I'm not mistaken, you are accessing the, you're sending MDM commands through the Jamf API using Monkey. Uh, well, as of yet, that is for testing with Monkey. Before that, I'm just simply uh, running the script directly on the Mac or from ARD. Mm -hmm. And but, are you, is that is that script running the MDM command or is it just running like a, a you know, a, a bash command? It is a bash script, but it's running the MDM, MDM command. It provides yes. the API credentials, uh, hits the curl. It's the actual path to the full API set. And it is gotcha. verified within Jamf that I can see that MDM command come through. Gotcha. I wonder if there's any caveats too with, I've never tried like running MDM commands through the API. If there's any caveats with that um, as um, opposed to doing it through the Jamf GUI. In my experience so far, I mean, the performance and the behavior is all consistent. Obviously, you just have to know where your action keys and what command you're actually issuing. Um, I'm actually doing it a lot for uh, static group additions and deletions to, and this is allowing Monkey to leverage adding to a device to a group, which then maps it, is scoped to a profile, which then I have it timed where that profile comes down first, then the application install, so then there isn't this wait time of okay, now get your PPPC profile, here's your text or sex. It's those come down first, then the application, you don't get an error, the application is good to go. Then when it comes time to uninstall, it removes you from that group, removes set profiles, then removes the application. Mm -hmm. Cool, and kind of looking at these notes, it may be that the API commands just changed because they have that install, as Eric mentioned before, the install ASAP key. So maybe if you use that one instead, that would fix it. I've used them all. Oh, you've used them all and yeah, yep. it doesn't. Right. Every single one. And they all air with <laughs> uh, this key is not supported by, or no, this product key is not supported. Huh, interesting. So it kicks off all the commands. So it'll say um, available OS updates, then schedule OS update scan, then schedule OS update. So all those APIs hit and you can watch that whole progress. 
And when it comes to the very last step, it fails the command saying the unsupported product key. Hmm. Interesting. Well, sounds like there's lots of Mac OS update fun with Big Sur. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that machine showing as a supervised machine or unsupervised? It is supervised. It is showing a supervised. Okay. And I Okay. Also, uh, I don't know if anybody saw in the chat, Timothy had posted about is File Vault turned on for those that restart an update upon authentication? Oh. Silence. Neither. Neither. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a question for Ian. So you said it was, uh, File yeah. Vault was turned on. Yep, because I was testing alongside with Jamf Connect, File Vault, everything on an M1 specific Mac, because I know the behavior is a little different. And yes, in this case, File Vault was turned on, but I was already past the File Vault, File Vault login screen. So I was sitting at the Jamf Connect login window. Gotcha. A quick call out to... Uh... To you guys, if you happen to notice, uh, particularly even with the M1 machines, where if you uh, look at machines that went through DEP and provisioning properly, and they're showing as supervised or unsupervised, you know, some you have a mixed bag, it's like 50-50, and they've all gone through provisioning the same way, it's a bug in Jamf that's not allowing them to view properly in Jamf as supervised or unsupervised. They actually are supervised, but the only problem is when it shows as unsupervised in Jamf, you don't get all the proper management commands. Like if you are looking at the machine record and you go into management, you'll notice that the download and installs updates button or download updates button is not there. So this may be further impacting um, yeah. some of our functionality here. And, and uh, Jamf is aware of this and it's going to be fixed in 11.31. That's good to know. We're kind of in this funny holding pattern where with WWDC next week and a, a good amount of new updates coming up, it's like, well, I don't want to spend too much time trying to fix, find workarounds that might be fixed here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, moving on, Chad, I think this is one that's kind of more in, in your area, webhooks or secure webhooks that are you allowing us to access Jamf's API through events. Um, do you want to you want me to set the table for you, Chad, or do you want to talk about secure webhooks here? No, go ahead and feel free to secure set the table. But yes, I have opinions on this, so I can I will happily chime in. Sure, set uh, me well, up, please. Well, the, historically, as as we all know, of course, webhooks required a username and a password, which can be easily compromised, and now it uses header authorization, which is just a more secure preferred method. Um, that is the extent of my knowledge on it. <laughs> well, okay. So yeah, the, 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 the challenge is fortunately most webhooks uh, that, I, that I play with are done as HTTPS. So even if it's passing username and password, it isn't horrible. Uh, but the fact that Jamf is now allowing us to do a more traditional um, uh, header auth where we can provide a token if the place we are sending hooks provides it like with Zapier um, and, and IntegraMap being my two main playgrounds. It's just, it's it means that there's a little bit more setup on my automation side I have to be aware of to, to generate all that. But it also means then that if I need to change that username and password, um, 
I mean, the token, the token is the token and I can just send that and it just, uh, yeah, even though, even though it's all being done to 3HGPS, I don't necessarily control the entire conduits. So this just, this makes me happier. Um, it's, and similarly for those of you, and I know there's a number in the room that do, that have been using Jamf's um, existing, uh, the, the, what is now the classic API model. Uh, that is always required doing a user and password. And yes, you can do basic authentication. Um, and I actually had a Jamf trainer to 200 class uh, describe it as a hash. And one of the security guys in the room ripped that discussion into tiny little pieces about it's base 64. It's extremely easy to, to decrypt. Um, but with their newer API, which I do not have as much fluency with yet, um, because it, up until recently, it hasn't been as fully functional as I need to be. Now we can again do token-based authentication. So I don't have to maintain an entire set of specific users in Jamf with only the most minimal objects they need to run my API scripts. And now with this also being outbound. So this is, this is good news to me. If anyone has any particular experience playing with it, please let me know. I know Chad's our resident webhook guy. You gave a, a presentation on webhooks, was it two sessions ago? Uh, probably closer to three now. Jeez. It was one of our first ones of the year, yeah. I think it was our first session. Yeah, this year, like February. Oh yeah. boy, time flies and you're having fun. Right. Cool. Uh, any other Jamf up updates that you guys have noticed? I'm sure we've missed stuff. I will take that Adam Berg coined interested silence and go ahead and move forward. Apple updates. Again, this is a topic that will be changing uh, in a matter of days. Um, but for right now, uh, let's see, Mac OS 11.4. Again, it's a, another, security spat, another security patch, which uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but you know, at least from our standpoint at Rocketman, we're obviously we're a Jamf only, Apple only MSP myself being more sales related when I'm working with clients and trying to figure out what they want. Security feels like to me, it's way more important than it has been previously in the last uh, one, two years. Security is coming up more and more often, I think, as we're trying to secure a workplace that has now gone remote. So I, I know that this is good to see comments, questions, concerns. See iOS 14.6, security patches, performance issues, and a graphic that doesn't line up with what the iOS is. So, so far. I was going to say, but okay. Well, it's see, the idea is 14.6 is patching 14.5. Also, I'm lazy and I put together this. <laughs> <camp>. <laughs> But in my mind, I was thinking about changing that. And I'm like, no, it makes sense because it's in reference to 14.5. Yeah. Uh, WWDC next week, as we've talked about. I know there's kind of some predictions that we're, we're thinking are going to be coming out. Uh, what is the iOS? Is it iOS 14? 15 is one of the big announcements that people are quasi expecting where you're going to be able to do more with widgets uh, or at least home screen widgets. Um, and I know on the 
is from a, a chip standpoint, they announced the M1 chip last year, which I think at this point has been received as a success. Um, but a lot of people are curious to see what happens if the if you take the M1 chip and you put it in a more performance demanding device, you know, what the output will be there. So a lot of people are speculating the M2 chip might be announced, but we'll see. If you guys know any sports bookies that are taking action on predictions for WWDC, uh, I know Chris is interested in that. He was chatting with me about that earlier. Um, but that kicks off on Monday, I think Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. And like last year, you'll be able to stream the entire event from the Apple website. It's not a live event. Um, and it's probably kicking off with Tim Cook as the keynote presenter. Uh, but again, that's not confirmed. So, I mean, that's some really good action to take if you can find someone to take it. Um, let's M1 see. Been all but confirmed. Pardon me? The M1X is what it's basically been confirmed to be called for the 16-inch uh, MacBook Pros. Um, I believe they're holding out the M2 for the rumored Mac Pro. Oh, cool. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, again, we, we shall see shortly. We were thinking about kicking this conference or this uh, Mac admin meetup back, but next week would have been rough because of being WWDC week. And then the week after that, then we're two weeks off the schedule. So a lot of speculation in this one, but I'm sure in our next Mac admin meetup, we'll be able to dice up what we learned in WDC plus a few weeks of what actually came out of there. Chris, Chad, anybody else in the room have anything on? I don't have any particular rumors or knowledge of anything, but I can talk about what I'm really kind of hoping for. I continue to wait to hear more about um, uh, Apple's foray into augmented reality. I mean, we keep seeing little pieces of it, but it only seems to be a WWDC. But uh, especially with doing jump starts the last couple of weeks, it seems like the big thing is we want to see more happening in the MDM space, more MDM type of controls on our Macs, like we have with iOS. iOS is all about that. And I'd love to see more of that. I wonder if anybody else has any thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> kind of same thing, hoping for more MDM stuff. Um, one thing I will say, kind of like what Eric said, our, our next session will probably be solely around WWDC. Um, I know it's, it's a great event, but it's typically not tailored to Mac admins, it's more user focused. So we're going to dive into all the material and kind of uncover all the things that are going to be important to us in our day-to-day -day roles. Cool. Any additional Apple updates to discuss? Moving right along. Uh, I feel like this is repetitive, but is there anything else up in the air? I, that is repetitive. I'm skipping that. Um, that was the spot where you were supposed to throw some jokes in there, Eric. I did jokes about bookkeeping before, and then I got uh, <laughs> I got reprimanded. I'm no longer being funny. Not reprimanded. I was more just making a joke in return. It's all I had. My humor's not great. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, feature requests. This is something that we talk about it pretty often. Um, we're, we're kind of trying to use the Slack channel that has the little feature request tab if we want to push these feature requests pretty hard. I feel like in every single session we have 
an idea or two that everyone's like, yes, please, let's do that. So uh, friendly reminder, we're, we're all in favor of pushing fever, uh, feature requests and we're using our Slack channel um, to promote those, but we can get pretty laissez-faire at that if we need to. Um, so if you guys have feature requests, throw it in the chat and then we can upvote it and maybe we can like formalize that process. Again, we want to be pretty easy to work with. And uh, cool, that was that. All right, now I can see everyone again. Oh, cool, we have more people that joined since that. All right, so Chad, is our keynote speaker for this week. And Chad, do you need me to, you want me to small talk some time so you can get all set up? I made you a yeah. co-host, you should be able to share. Yep, and I got everything hopefully done uh, ahead of time. Uh, just to do a little bit of a setup. Of, uh, I was asked, one of the things that we've been playing with is, as, as is mentioned, I love doing the, the scripting, the API calls, the automation um, for me. I am the type of person who will spend two hours writing a script that will then do a bunch of work in 10 seconds that if I had really just sat down and done it manually would have taken about half an hour. Um, but then I will never have to do that thing again. Uh, and I've been, so a number of the, I'm gonna show off two scripts today that I've been deploying and have been working in a live fire situation with a couple of our clients. Um, these should not be considered fully functional yet, and they will be posted later today on our GitHub. Um, I am just getting, I am learning GitHub as far as like the actual desktop tools. This is new to me. I'm very familiar with getting other people's codes, but posting code is new to me. So bear with me, but I will have, I will then post in the Slack, the URL to these scripts. So if anything jumps out, but I also want to say that all of this follows under my motif of if I have seen further, it is only by standing on the shoulders of giants. So if you're looking at these two scripts that I have today and thinking, man, these look familiar, it's because they're not original. These are taking what I have seen in others work and adapting it for my needs. And because I do like things that are adjustable and flexible, um, I tend to tweak it, but I am then doing my part in resharing it forward. And what do I mean by that? Let's see. Eric, are you now seeing my um, Code Runner text window here? I am. Excellent. You know, for all the things that we are today, we're smooth on the transitions. I love it, Chad. <laughs> I got to be smooth somehow because it's not in any other part of my life. Uh, so the first script I'm playing around with, and you've Many of, you <laughs> Many of you have seen scripts that do this. In fact, I specifically mentioned uh, there's the, the giant whose shoulder I am standing on for this one. That need of being able to give people uh, temporary admin access while maybe not having admin privileges all the time. Um, you know, I first started playing with this a few years ago with a, with a client and uh, it was, I pretty much just took the original one and went with it. One of the things that was interesting that I found happened, and I'd be interested to see if anybody knows either A, why this happened or if they encountered it themselves. The, the original script that I'd been playing with broke late last year, um, short time, shortly late Catalina, just before Big Sur, because, and I'm going to jump down to this part before I 
go for the whole thing. In the process of removing the launch daemon, I had to change the order of this. Um, if you remove, if you unloaded the launch daemon, it stopped the script. Got it in a different order. There we go. This used to be higher up. Um, if you if you unloaded the launch daemon, it's it completely terminated the script that it was driving. Whereas in previous behavior, I could remove the script and clean everything up, and then and then unload the launch daemon. Uh, I could remove the files and then unload it. And yeah, that stopped working. So that's one of the things that got fixed in all this. Um, but some stuff that I have done to kind of make this my own, if you will. In the original version from Champ, it ha it lists the three different places you have to change the time. Because one is done in minutes, one is done in seconds, and the other one that is done in a format of like 90M or something to that effect. So I wanted to, I hate anytime I needed to redeploy something, changing things even once, anything hard-coded. Um, so I, I added a parameter for, to say how long. And uh, I've got a default in here for five minutes, but that way you can end with the policy that runs it. And that way I could have multiple versions of the same policy, one for different teams. Maybe a developer will get 15 minutes. Maybe uh, somebody else would only get, the average user would only get one minute. Uh, but the other thing that I, that I had added, and this came back to when I first implemented this at my last uh, full-time job was the, joy of people just pushing the button and I had no idea what they were using it for. So I put in an Apple script dialogue. They would pop up and say, please state briefly why you need this. Uh, and I, so for this, because I had of our, of our clients we deployed with, one cared, one did not. So I just simply made it a parameter so I could keep updating one script and just updating it in the client's Champ Pro servers without having to keep tweaking everything. Um, and then next up, this was a more interesting challenge. I wanted the ability to, because for, I personally dislike having policies where you're just scoping it to one or two computers. And because especially when you're looking at your list of policies, it just says two computers and then I could go in and see which ones. What if instead, and yes, I know this still requires another click, but what if I scope it to a static group and then I can authorize people by adding them to that static group? Um, but then the challenge, either way, the challenge is, okay, somebody needs admin rights. I add them to the static group or I add them to the scope of the policy. They push the button in self-service. They enter their reason. They get their admin rights, but they can just turn around and push the button again until I go in and remove it. So what I did was create the ability that if you enter one of this API hash, and yes, I just talked about this. It's really just a base 64 encoded thing. Um, if you provide a that base64 encoded username password and yes the next version will hopefully uh, use the token system it will then remove the person from that static group at the end of the run so as soon as they push the button the first thing it does is removes them from the group then it goes ahead and gives them admin rights um, Something that in the original version of the script I didn't see fully implemented at the time I stole this was, uh, and let's see, I probably, yeah, I, I was going to reference something of 400 class and then I remembered I probably shouldn't discuss things from the 400 class, so I won't. Um, 
But the idea of using a log collect at the end of it to just say, what were the people doing while they had admin privileges? What kind of stuff were they doing? And this section, if provided, will run this log collect command for that. And here's, you can see where the M was referencing in time in minutes. Um, it will attach that file. It'll run this, it'll zip it all up, do everything, and then attach that file at the end. So now you have a, a file attachment for that computer's record to see what the heck were they doing, if you really care. Uh, again, and it's all, a lot of these examples that I'm showing you are because both clients running in parallel wanted the, the scripts, but one wanted it done one way, one wanted it done another. I wasn't about to write two different scripts. So how about I make it a parameter? Uh, and then the other challenge in my original version of this, this was stupid of me. Uh, I didn't actually have a check to find out if they were already an admin. So if you were already an admin, it would promote you to admin. And then at the end of the interval, demote you to standard. It didn't have any sanity check. And I believe the, the Jamf version, the current Jamf version of it does already have that if it didn't already. Uh, and then there's my cleanup. And I just, all my cleanup version versus theirs, I just put in some additional um, lines. One of the things I could do here is if uh, the person, if you've requested logging, there's a, where is it? I'm not finding it. Oh, there we go. If, if the person requested logging, I just to swap out this, this particular uh, comment block to actually include that little bit of code to, to handle the, the upload. And then this is every, after that, it's everything you already seen. Um, the one challenge then that I threw in at the end, and I'm, debating whether or not to keep this, take this out, had the wonderful situation of being told that when they would push the button, they weren't an admin. And it took me a little debugging to find out what they meant. They were staring at users and groups in system preferences and saying, I push the button and I'm not an admin because you need to leave system preferences and come back in to see the change, but they just kept pushing the button. Uh, so just to be able to help our clients with their users, I put in and at the end a verification to say, yes, in fact, I show they did get promoted. So if somebody's saying it didn't work, yes, it did. Try doing something with admin privileges now. It's a silly thing I'd rather not have to have, but it's one of those kind of things sometimes we have to have. Um, so maybe this is a I don't want to call it a better version, but maybe this is a more interesting version to some people. Uh, if you have any questions, comments on this, I'd love to hear them. As I said, I will have this later today up on our GitHub. The link will be posted into the Slack server. Um, and yeah, any changes, any changes, suggestions anyone has, I am not claiming to be an expert. Chad, is this, what would you say, like the percentages that we use this with? with our clients? Are you using this with everybody who wants it? Are you using this with everyone? I think we're currently using it with everyone, or at least every, I should say everyone with everyone that's I'm associated to. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on every single client, but every client I'm involved with, we're using it. It's very nice. Uh, Chad, I, I do have one recommendation. Uh, Please. Maybe you were saying that, um, when they're in system preferences, looking at their profilers and show that they were elevated to admin, but maybe just have a command to just quit out of uh, system preferences. 
So it just quits it and then they reopen it and then they see that, oh yeah, I am an admin. I like that idea or just, or yeah, even, even or have a follow-up dialogue that just says, yes, oh, um, yeah. you've been from, I like that idea, just some sort of follow-up to be a little heavy handed so that the actual end user sees it as opposed to having to say, I'm not seeing it and somebody else correct it. I like that. I thought, I'm going to add that. I thought I saw in the script, there is a, a dialogue that pops up. You've been granted. You've been granted admin rights, but as, as was, as was mentioned then that, but if I'm staring at system preferences, it still shows me as standard until I quit it and reload it. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point, Peter, because we, you know, the problem we were having with clients is they were testing it out and they'd be sitting there with like the tech that was working with them. And they're like, we ran the script, we went into system preferences, they're showing a standard, and then we try to authenticate as admin, we can't do it. Well, it's like, well, yeah, because you just had system preferences open the whole time. Even if you try to authenticate, it's not going to work. So, yeah. yeah, quitting out of system preferences would be really good. Yeah, there was something I did like that uh, quite some time ago where I was getting the same thing where the people were watching it live yeah. and saying, no, it's still there. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, and I know how to fix this. <laughs> I just yeah. quit system preferences. Another yep. thing we might want to try out, Chad, where you might not even have to do system or quit system preferences is uh, kill CFprefsD. I'm not oh, sure if sure. that would affect it, but I know I've I've ran into that more times than I can count. Where it's like, why isn't this thing working? And then it's like, oh yeah, it's it's cached in CFprefsD. Yeah, that's actually a good idea too, and probably take it to a, a couple of take both approaches and. The, uh, the next script I'm about to show off, you'll see, is just the epitome of how many possible ways can I do this and how many ways can I make it more complicated than it needs to be. So that's, this is, this is, this is, this may be making this more complicated, but I think it's in the right track for it. Cool. And then the other one I wanted to show off today, and I'm trying to be mindful of time. Uh, thinking about the situation, especially as we're dealing with people being remote. Um, that and I know there are people in the room that have done versions of this, so um, I'm prepared to be embarrassed. Uh, the what happens if you you don't want to necessarily through through um, I I absolutely hate and always preach the idea of not having the same username and password backdoor admin account on every single machine. What happens if if that gets uh, corrupted and, and Jamf has decided they like my idea because, or not my idea, but I mean, they like that idea because they have as the, for the management account rotating, you know, having as a random password, they have, they, they suggest strongly don't make this uh, uh, the same username and password on every single computer. It's all over Jamf. Whenever you try to put a, the same username and password with admin rights on every machine, it gets you that nice old warning. So because Apple doesn't have built-in and Champ doesn't currently have built-in, I say currently because there is a feature request for it, and man, did I upload it, uh, to have some sort of local access, and I don't remember what the, what LAPS stands for, something password, uh, local administrator password, anyone, anyone, Bueller? I don't Solution, know I think. Solution. Solution? Okay. We'll go with that. Um, it's local so I, administrator password solution. Okay, cool. Confirmation. Excellent. Uh, I found a number of these and it's been a request. Almost every jumpstart I do, somebody has a request for it. And, and the, what, what is interesting is with a couple the, 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 the two clients I mentioned where I've got both of these in parallel, 
what kind of situation might you need a lapse type system with a rotating backdoor admin account and the ability to promote somebody to admin. Uh, at, initially, at the outset, it sounds like you're doing taking two radically different approaches to the same thing. But with the make me an admin, it's letting a user become admin temporarily. With this, it's about having so that if I'm remote controlling somebody's screen through um, TeamViewer or what have you, I can then do it using an admin account without giving them uh, any additional privileges. But this system borrows, like I said, heavily on, you can find so many of these different tools out there. Um, mine borrows a lot of them. Uh, so the two parameters up front that you're no big surprise, I'm passing in what is the username that either needs to be changed or created. Uh, and then what's that full name to go with it, whether it be you know backdoor admin, Jamf admin, whatever you want to call it. And then I have taken, I've seen different methods of it. I have the option of four different schemes for generating a password. And I'm going to, before coming back to the rest of these, talk about those. Uh, the first one, and oddly and pleasantly, the one that is currently in use in three with three customers. Um, we're using NATO so that that way, what you're saying over the phone, you need to enter into the password Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. Yes, I chose those three intentionally. Um, it picks three NATO characters, uh, phonetic characters uh, at random and strings them together. And that way it's something that's easy to say over the phone. It's, it's longer text. And yes, if you know that's my password scheme, now you only have 26 to the third, or in the case of one of our clients, 26 to the fourth um, things you have combinations you have to try before you can get in. But at the same point, the operating system is not going to let you try that many failed passwords. Um, second one, if you've read the comic and I have it here in the source code, please take a moment, read this comic. I think it's funny. Uh, but it's the idea of he mathematically shows that taking a complicated password, taking the word troubadour and changing an O to a zero and putting in an exclamation mark and a number, those changes do not significantly increase the randomness or make it significantly harder for a computer to break. They make it a lot harder for a human to remember. Whereas taking four words and stringing them together in his version, uh, it's correct horse battery staple. And it says, what are the, you know, how long does it, what's the easy ease of memorizing it? You've memorized it already. Years later, I still have not forgotten correct horse battery staple. Uh, not having, I'm just borrowing when somebody showed me this a few years ago, I was super pleased. There's a dictionary right in the operating system. Obviously, it has to be there to check your spelling. So I just say, find me anything that's at least three letters, but less than seven, or sorry, greater between four and six, greater than three, less than seven. Um, strings them together and makes the first letter of each word capitalized. So similar to my whiskey tango foxtrot type of thing. Uh, last, it does, or next up, I should say, it does the exact same thing, but with the proper nouns database. So it could be Chad, Eric, Chris, Ian as the, the password for this. And then last but not least, when I was, because one of the shoulders I stood on was um, University of Nebraska's implementation of it, where they just generate random characters of hexadecimal, strip out ambigu ambiguous characters, O's, zeros, ones, I's, L's, uh, S. They they leave in five and two, which are five, but 
Yeah. And it just sort of grabs 16 random characters. So once you've decided which way you want to provide it, and right, like I said, right now, all three clients doing the NATO, which is just fun. Um, here we go. This was my bigger challenge for this. Um, I would be interested to hear if anyone else has ever tried doing within a script, an API call to send information up to Jamf and something happens that causes that to fail. That's probably not terrible unless what you're doing is sending up to an extension attribute, sending a password. And if that password gets lost, you have no way of recovering it. Um, so I implemented because we did have, again, three customers using it. Two of them had no problem with the, with the API call. But one of them, it seemed like every third user would the, the extension attribute would come up empty. Same script, same exact script. I did not know why. So my solution for it was to borrow from, and let's see if this shares properly. Are you now seeing a YouTube page, Eric? Okay, I'm getting the nod, that'll do since you muted. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is from a JNUC presentation from a couple of years ago. Uh, even though it's called using reverse extension attributes, he says a couple minutes in that really what he's doing is calling them local extension attributes. It's using a defaults write command and then a defaults read command to put information in a uh, appropriately permissioned folder or file on the system. So that way a user shouldn't be able to wander in and get that information off of it. And yes, I am going to be working on encrypting this information in the near future, I did say at the beginning, all of this was still a work in progress. Um, but it takes it takes the idea, uh, let's go back over. If you specify local, then it actually stores it um, in a local extension attribute or reverse extension attribute, a plist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I will then, I'll loop back to that in one second, I, but there's no point in pausing before saying, then the last parameters, do you want to force this or not? If um, I specify force, and this was this was another tie into that earlier issue. What happens if I don't know what the old password is and I want to be able to change it? I get an error message that doesn't do me any good. If this backdoor admin account, let's call it, no, I'm not going to bother. Uh, well, let's call it break glass because that's my favorite, right? In case of emergency, break glass. Uh, so for the break glass account, if you don't know what the password is, I can't change it, um, regardless of running as a root script. So with, if you say force, it will attempt to, yeah. And so if it can't figure out the password and you've specified force, it will attempt to delete the, the account and then re, right turn around and create it again. Um, is this a great idea? Maybe. Chris looks like he's yeah. ready to. Yeah, I, I just wanted to explain kind of why we needed this um, <laughs> because we're working with a lot of clients who, you know, they've been they've been using Jam for 10 years, but they've had like 20 different systems and all these different backdoor admin passwords on their computers. They really don't know what the backdoor admin password is on any given computer. So it's like, all right, if you're fine with it and you don't have any files in that user's home folder, we can put this button on to force it and then we'll delete that account and create a new one 
with a password that we recognize. So now we can continue to do this secure rotation of a password that people actually know. Yeah, thanks, Chris, because that's a good point. I was pitching it, I was describing it more from the standpoint of what happens if you lose that from the other situation. But yes, that's the entire reason this originally got put in was, yeah, uh, I'm sure we've all been in situations where you've got previous tech directors or previous people that, oh, I just picked some password at random. Well, where is it stored? I don't know. I just keep trying things until I figure it out. So this is meant to get around that. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say is, well, okay, if I'm storing this locally, how do I get this in into Jamf? The other thing I will be putting in this same folder on GitHub is I have an extension attribute, a script-based extension attribute that just does a defaults read of that attribute of that plist file and grabs out the password. So now all I'm doing is I, instead of attempting to have the API send the information to Jamf, I'm letting Jamf pull the information off of the computer. That way I know the information is secure on the computer. I should say safe on the computer. I'm still working on complete security. Um, the next version of this, which is in progress right now, um, is going to allow for both of these to happen. So you can have both stored where it will either put it in an extension attribute in Jamf Cloud or store it locally or both. Um, because I'm just, I'm trying to provide every possible option. But yeah, this is my, this is my version of something. Again, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm not the first one to do this. I'm not even close to the first one to do it. Um, Joshua Miller did one, including doing it as a Swift binary. His impresses the heck out of me. I don't know if anybody has tried it and what it, uh, results they found from it. Um, as I mentioned before, University of Nebraska has their own version of it. Theirs is so old, it still refers to stuff as Casper. So mine is not unique, but it accounts for a number of situations that we've encountered. So I'd love to hear if anybody has any thoughts, comments, criticisms. If you found a spelling mistake, I'll take it. Chad, we got a question in the chat. Oh, I don't does have the chat window open. Yeah, thank you. Does it also add the admin user to file vault or does that require a separate piece? That is a excellent question. Um, I was finding, uh, actually, let me see if it's in my create account. Password home. Um, short answer, I don't know. I thought I found, but I'm now, now that I'm about, I was just about to make a definitive statement, like I've seen it work. And then I realized, have I, have I really? So I'm not 100% sure. I would love to believe that it, that in doing it this way, uh, creating as an admin account, that it, that it does provide that. Um, I will now, in fact, I should write that down. Pretty uh, well, sure in Big Sur, they fixed that. It was Catalina that was the biggest problem. Um, but within Big Sur, they've relaxed on their requirements. And now even the, the create account script will generate the secure token for the user. It will, okay. So you're saying they fixed it, meaning made it easier so that yeah. this is a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Mo was, a crapshoot. Catalina, they locked it down real hard. And then Big Sur, they pulled back on those requirements so much so that we actually had an instance where 
We had um, a random baloney LDAP account get generated for the bind purposes. And they relaxed so much that that bind account was the first one with that secure token. And because it was a randomly generated password and username, each time the bind occurred, Mac OS couldn't delete it. And then nobody could get a secure token after that because it caused the system to behave in a very strange fashion. Oh, wow. And I'm really glad, actually, Ian, I'm glad you said that because that was another interesting challenge we ran into. And it goes back to what Chris was saying about why we did this with those. Um, when we when we set up workflows for zero touch provisioning, the, the idea for one particular client was they would just let it go through setup assistant. And when it got to the create an account window, what they should create is the account for the user that's going to be using it because it will create it as standard. But because we were changing the workflow from what they had used previously, there were a couple of machines where that first account being created, um, you know, had had what was oh it was the it ended up they ended up creating the same account that that my script was going to come in and create. So they were creating break glass only for my script to attempt to create break glass. But like you said, it's the one with the secure token. So it was failing all over the place because I can't, I don't know what the password is, so I can't change it. So I'm going to attempt to force it and delete it. I can't delete it because it has a secure token and is the only one with a secure token. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so that's, that's been a fun behavior to learn from. Yeah. I love the clients we get to work with that allow us to do zero touch provisioning and don't want to tinker with it beforehand because <laughs> I find it takes a lot of instruction to be like, no, 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 do things simpler. Don't yes. do as much. <laughs> yeah. It's also fun for us when we get the, here's the 17 pages that we spend, you know, two hours setting up every new computer. I can automate all of that for you. <laughs> and this is one of those. Any other, anybody else? And so if, especially if you're if you're interested in this if you're in the slack um let us make a note it'll kick me in the pants a little harder to get this posted uh i am committing with chris and eric right in front of me to getting this done today though <laughs> and with that unless there are any other questions concerns about any of these scripts i will also if people are interested um post both of the post of the previous lapse implementations and the link to the reverse extension attribute into the Slack as well, if people are interested. Eric? Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Um, yeah, that uh, that pretty much brings us to the, the top of the hour. If anybody has questions or thoughts or anything that they were hoping to discuss, um, yeah, feel free to chime in. I appreciate everyone coming to these. I know we're, we're kind of wonky and we're pretty fly by the seat of our pants on this. Um, but, you know, so far it's been fun and I'm just really thankful for everyone coming out here and we will do another one about a month from now, probably the first Friday in July, unless it competes with the 4th of July and which I will say to Chris and Chad in front of them. No, we're not doing that. Um, Chris <laughs> is talking, muted. but he's, yeah. you're um, still needed. Um, I was jokes ruined. I was going to say yeah. it's, it would be a fun 4th of July party for everyone. We could grill oh. out. <laughs> everybody wave your burger um cool yeah with that guys we will we'll post the recording here in slack um probably this weekend because it just takes some time to process um if you have any questions comments concerns on anything jam for apple related feel free to reach out to us via email letters smoke signals whatever works for you 
Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we look forward to next month. Thanks everyone for coming. Thank you for joining us today. We have new episodes on the first Friday of every month. If you'd like to join our session live, visit the link in the description to get on our mailing list. And if you're looking to get the most out of your Jamf server, visit rocketman.tech to set up a meeting with one of our Jamf experts. That's rocketman.tech. Thank you.